0: Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real
1: Life Christian Church.
0: Real Life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And so I call this message Daniel's Urgent Prayer from Daniel chapter 9. Well, in the Old Testament world between, I'd say about five to 700 B.C., if one nation invaded and conquered another nation, they'd deport them. I mean, seriously, if they conquered, if a nation were a conquered nation, they would deport them and take them all back to the homeland. So they took them all back to Babylon. That's what happened to the Jews. Babylon came along, mighty Babylon, the greatest nation on earth at that time, under their, under their king Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar may have been seriously one of the greatest rulers. I mean, if you look at world history, I would think Nebuchadnezzar had to be one of the best and greatest rulers, although he was a pagan, a total pagan in history. Matter of fact, now here's a great story. After God worked this guy Nebuchadnezzar over a little bit, he became a believer in the true God. I want to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. That's another message, though. But that is an amazing story. And just a little aside here, because if God can change that guy's heart, he can change anybody's heart. Nebuchadnezzar conquered and deported the Jews and back to Babylon, and that dude was vicious. I mean, just about every Jew back to Babylon. And they weren't really slaves in Babylon, as we understand slavery, man. I mean, they, they, they didn't do the dirty work, cleaning the houses, picking up the garbage in the streets and all that stuff. They could honestly live there with freedom. And they could build business. In fact, you know, in fact, God told the Jews through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29.5, he says, you're going to be living in Babylon, and yet I want you to pray for that nation. I want you to live there, work there, and by your presence there, make it better. So they weren't slaves as we understand slavery, okay? Now, lots of you know this. One of those deported Jews was a guy named Daniel. Read the book of Daniel, how God worked out the details, and he elevated Daniel in the kingdom to a position of strong leadership. As a matter of fact, the native Babylonian governors hated this guy because he he had such influence with the kings. God gave him all that great wisdom. Now long story short, Daniel always stayed faithful to the true God. He was in this nation of Babylon. He was surrounded by pagan idols and lush temples to pagan gods. And Daniel was faithful in that world to the one true God in a pagan world to be faithful to the one true God. And he never lost his influence. So at the time of Daniel 9, he's been in Babylon about 69 years, which makes him about 85 years old because he was deported there when he was 15 years old. Now get this. Daniel is reading the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, okay? He is a ranking official in the greatest nation on earth at that time. And he is reading on a daily basis the scriptures, okay? And he's reading the prophet Jeremiah. You got to get the picture here. He's reading Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10 they didn't have chapters and verses in that day and age but we do and so Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says this this is what the Lord says when 70 years are completed for Babylon I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place what did God just say you're going to be captive in Babylon for 70 years and then I'm going to bring you back and that would be a momentous day in the Jews. And we're going to see later, as we go on with this message, that the Jews were paramount in world history. So I'm going to bring you guys back. And Daniel's reading that, and he said, Well, I'm going to be here another year at best. And then, goes on to say, and then God goes on to say in verse 11 through Jeremiah, and maybe one of the most oft quoted in scripture, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So Daniel says, man, we've been here for 69 years. And very shortly, God's going to open the doors and we're gone. And Daniel says, what's going to happen when we go back? Ever lay in your bed and can't sleep? Happens to me once in a while because your mind is reeling. Your mind is ahead of your body. And Daniel's mind was reeling. Let's go to Daniel 9. Look at verses 1 to 3. Daniel 9, 1 to 3, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over Babylon's kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, Jeremiah 29, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, we just looked at that, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last for only 70 years, see? So I turned to the Lord, now look at this word, I pleaded with him. In prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and in ashes. So, I mean, Daniel's wearing all this burlapy sackcloth. He's sitting in actual burned ashes and he's fasting. Why? He loves these people. See, he's concerned. I mean, he's got a big concern. They're going back to their homeland. Who's living back there? Who's living back there in their homeland? I mean, nobody's going to like it when you just march back after 70 years and say, we're home, you can go now. No, they don't like that. And they didn't have any kind of a military. Now, what about the land? Was it overgrown with weeds and all that stuff? I mean, how would they produce food? How would they eat? And 70 years ago, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian destroyed all those homes. I mean, where would they live? And here's Daniel's biggest concern, the generation that came to Babylon at first. Lot, lots of those folk died. And the newer generation had planted roots there. And they loved that pagan culture. And they, they, they liked it there. They, maybe they wouldn't want to go back. And Daniel goes into prayer, man. All this stuff was on his heart. Daniel goes into prayer. Now we look at this great prayer. Daniel is urgent. What's going to happen? This, this prayer of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, I think is one of the four, four or five greatest prayers in all of God's word. I'm going to read parts of it, just parts of it. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. That's verse 4 of Daniel 9. O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love and obey his commands. We have sinned. We have done wrong. We've been wicked <laughs> rebelled. Great prayer, huh? We've turned away from your commands and laws. We haven't listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes. Verse 7. Lord, you are righteous. That's praise. But this day we're covered with shame. The men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Good stuff. Did they ever pray like that for your own nation? And include yourself. Oh, Lord, we and our kings and our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. The, now look at this, look at this. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. We haven't obeyed the Lord our God and kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Verse 15, now, O Lord, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned, we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your holy city. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of Scorn to all those around us. Now, first understand this that the Holy Spirit inspired this Word of God. You read it, you saw it, you heard it. And there's more in here than just petition or supplication. That's asking God for stuff, see? And God wants you to ask for stuff. But there's more to prayer. We see in this Word of God, we see praise. This is a lesson in prayer. We need to praise God. We see confession of sins. Daniel's praying on behalf of a nation but we can bring it down to our own life of prayer. i let's look at it, verse 4. Verse 4, Daniel 9. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love, who keeps his covenant of love with all who obey his commandments. See, God is faithful. That's praise. You no, know it means God? He's faithful to his covenant of love. Let me ask you, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your savior? Then God made a covenant of love with you when you placed your faith in him. Now, if God is faithful, is he going to let go of you? No, he's not going to let go of you, is he? And that's why you don't have to worry that I do enough to keep myself saved. So many people think they can lose their salvation, and they go right back into work righteousness. Oh, Lord, now I have to keep myself saved. Now I have to do enough to keep myself saved, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ redeemed us from or saved us from. From having to do, he did it, see? That's all you need to know, okay? Because God is faithful. Look at verse seven, it says, Lord, you're righteous, see that? Lord, you're righteous. His righteousness flows out of his holiness or his perfection. You know what that means? It means you live the law of God, the 10 commandments, and every one of those babies is right. It is the best possible path for your life. That's what it means, God is righteous. See, you praise God like that, see? Just take something. Seventh commandment, don't commit adultery. Strong marriages, strong commitment to one woman and one man. Don't steal. Commandment eight. That involves greed, what you value. Pursue the things of God. Trust God to provide. Don't bear false witness. That's the ninth commandment. Build up, build up people's reputations. Don't tear them down. Second commandment, don't reduce God to something you can figure out. Let God be God. See, all I'm saying is every commandment is right. It's given in love, and that, folks, is your best path. You Listen, you never, ever, I don't care how hard it is, how difficult it is, how it doesn't make sense. You never, ever, ever go the wrong path when you obey his commands because they're always right, because God is righteous. Look at verse 9. Oh, this is a great passage. Man, do I love this. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is praise. Lord, I rebelled against you. And you show me mercy, you forgive me. Father, you sent your own beloved son to reconcile me to you. I don't fear your holy wrath. I don't grovel in my sins, man. You know what? Pray that. Ladies and gentlemen, ask God, the Holy Spirit, to fill your heart with the praise of God and then let it flow out. There's another part to prayer we see in Daniel's prayer. Just look at all the confession of sins. Verse five, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Verse 15, now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt, we've done wrong, O Lord, we've done wrong. See, uh -uh. confession of sins. And the we's, Daniel includes himself. Folks, here's some doctrine. Our sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus as believers. Now, you need to know this. We need to understand this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every sin you have ever sinned is already paid for. No sin will ever condemn you. Why? Already condemned him, right? He'll never condemn you. No sin will ever condemn you because your sins already condemned him, and he died with them, okay? Okay. That's just good doctrine. Here's a but, and this is an important but. Our everyday sins keep God the Father from giving us the full benefit of his blessings that he wants to give us because we're not walking in his path and we need to confess those sins. It's not that you're going to lose your salvation. Your sins have already been forgiven, but there's those everyday sins where God says, man, you're not walking in my path, my child. I can't bless you the way I want to, so you got to ask yourself a question. You know, I'm going to God and sometimes heaven seems like brass and the blessings aren't flowing out to me. So you need to ask yourself a question. Have you confessed your sins and turned from those sins? Is there an area of your life you're holding on to, see? To get you, it's not all coming to you like you want it to or think it should. Let me ask you, are you, still, are, do, you do you still have this idol in your life? Or are you still holding on to this idol in your life? Is there that area that, that you're just not ready to let go of? You're not confessing it, not turning from it? See, our confession of sin tells God we want a right relationship with him. Tells God we're humbling ourselves and it flings the blessings, the door of blessings wide open. You got to take some time in confession. Daniel said, we haven't listened to the prophets. We have sinned. Listen, when you're praying for God to work and resolve every situation, let's say your life is flip-flopped upside down. Confess your own sins in the matter. Confess your own sins. I mean, you, have re- you, you may have real faith, and I, I know most of you do, a live faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're not perfect. Neither am I perfect. We sin. And if you say you have, no, let me read this to you. This is 1 John 1 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Hear this, and the truth is not in us, not my fault. Don't you say that, come on, not my fault, they're the problem, especially in marriage. Let me read this again, if we claim that we have no sin, guess what, Charlie, we deceive ourselves, and you're lying to yourself. The truth is not in you, see? I mean, you want to resolve something going on in your flip-flop life, then pray. Father, by your spirit, show me my sin. Work in me first. Redirect my mind first. Now, we're going to finish this prayer. Daniel here, I just want to show you how urgent Daniel is. Go back to 9 of Daniel and look at verse 17. Oh, man, do I want to pray like this. 17 through what? 19. Now, Now, our God... Hear our prayers and petitions. He just said, we are such rotten sinners. We've walked the other way. We've rebelled. We haven't listened to your words. And now he says, our God. See, I love that. Hear the prayers and petitions of your servants. We belong to you. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary back in Jerusalem. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. Oh, great, great passage right here. Great passage. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Circle that, underline it. Now listen to the passion. Oh, Lord, listen. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, hear and act. For your sake, oh, my God, do not delay. Wow, that's passion, that's an urgency. We don't make requests because of we're righteous, but because of your great mercy. That's urgent. That's shameless. That's coming to God at midnight, to a willing and able Father. Now here's here's the deal. Daniel knew that some big changes were coming up in the lives of his people, the Jews. He knew that God was about to send them home after seventy years of being, you know, we call it captivity. It really wasn't that. They were living rather normal lives, but we call it 70 years of captivity, okay? In a pagan land. Now, here's what Daniel knew. This, This is why he was urgent. He knew that God had made a promise to Abraham. And what was God's promise to Abraham? God's promise to Abraham was that through your seed, who's Abraham's seed? The Jews, right? And the Jews would bring into the world the Messiah, the only hope of the world, right? Through your seed, I'll read it to you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. Tell that to this administration. Now listen, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, meaning through your seed, meaning through the Messiah. What did Daniel know? He knew that this nation of Jews, these people of Israel, they had a very special part in god's plan for world history that's what daniel knew that's why he was so urgent my people have come to a point where they've been here for 70 years and they're going back to a homeland and there may not be food and there may be a, there may be people living there and there are no places to dwell could this could this nation become extinct could they all die off what's going to happen? Because these people, the Jews, God has a special plan for them in the history of the entire world. Daniel had a special sense of that. Daniel knew in this prayer, this is why it's so urgent. He was standing at a pivotal point, ladies and gentlemen, in world history. And he was only one man. But he had a mighty God. Daniel knew that. And God can accomplish a lot through one man. Daniel knew that too. And so he shamelessly came to God in Daniel chapter 9. And I want to tell you something, folks. He came to God first. I mean, this was a pivotal point in world history. This guy is all shook up inside. He's all shook up. Daniel's all shook up inside, see? He's at a pivotal point in history. Oh, God, hear! open your ears. Oh, God, listen. Oh, God, forgive. Man, what a prayer. You know, I don't care what it is. You immediately go to your father. I've learned that lesson in life. You immediately go to your father. That's what Daniel did. You ask for wisdom, direction. You know, folks, maybe just directing you to the right people, the right doctors, the right fixers. You know, when you say, Lord, I need you, He's going to answer that prayer, man. That's, That's a great prayer. Don't you have some urgent situations you need to deal with right now? And you really don't want to? Listen, are you so convinced that your Father in heaven who gave his only Son is so in love with you, he wants to take you to the right direction? Are you convinced of that? And you go to him before you bring anybody else into it. Not dutifully, not mechanically. Oh, yeah, I forgot to go to God. It's your, your, your natural reaction. Do you know how often our mind drifts to people first? That's sad. Oh, call so and so, call. And you think they owe me a favor. They owe me a favor. I'll call them. I did something for them. You know what? That's not Christ like. They owe me a favor. It means you did it for the wrong reason in the first place. And if you're going to call in a favor, just consider how are you representing Christianity? Because people say, okay, I'll do it for you. We're even. You have just lost any influence you can ever have in their life. Do you know that? You know, maybe you don't come out and say, I did this for you, but man, you know doggone well you did it for them and they and they owe you you just lost your influence with them. You just have You know, you know, God says, I didn't write this, Psalm 118, verse 9, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Listen to this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So something's on your mind, something's on your heart, you're worried, you're upset. You know, the word of God says, my father loves me, to him I will flee. Man, you flee to your father's arms. That's where you go. I want to look at the immediate answer to Daniel's prayer. The answer to the prayer, listen, folks, the neat thing about this is Daniel prays and God moves immediately. Daniel comes with this bold, shameless, urgent prayer that moved the heart of God, and and the answer is in verses 20 through 27 of Daniel 9, and there are books and books and books and books and books and books, libraries of books written about this. This, I would have to say, along with Isaiah 53, this is the greatest prophecy of, of the future in the whole Bible, it is a great future prophecy. While I was speaking, verse 20, and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my plea to the Lord for his holy hill. Well, I, listen, while I was still in prayer, I have that underline. He's still praying. Gabriel, the man I had seen in earlier vision, came to me in swift light about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to you to give you insight. And understanding, as soon as you began to pray, look at that, an answer was given. Folks, will you mark that? As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. And I've come to tell you, for you're highly esteemed, highly esteemed folks, you're God's child. That's you and me. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. And he says, look at this. So he says, he comes immediately. Now, folks, this is a lesson in prayer from the Holy Spirit. You pray, God moves. He sends angels. He acts. Wow. Prayer moves God. He's not your genie. He moves because you're precious to him. Highly esteemed. We're his beloved through Jesus Christ. Seventy-seven. Look at verse 24. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city. That's all I'm going to read. Seventy-sevens. What's a seven? Some of your Bibles say 70 weeks. A seven or a week is one seven-year period. Goes on to say there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens and all that stuff. Folks, don't don't figure out the math. This is one of the greatest prophecies of all time. In this this prophecy, this angel tells you, see, Daniel just asked, what's going to happen to my people? And, And God sends an angel and he gives them a picture of what's going to happen to the Jewish people till the very end of time. You go on and read that. Now, I don't, we don't have time for this, but man, I got to tell you, it predicts the day the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem, the very day, to the day, I'm not kidding you, to the letter. In that prophecy, it says he's going to be cut off and die. It, it, it predicts A.D. 70 when all the Jews would be driven by the Romans from their homeland and they would cease to be a nation. And then it predicts a resurrected Roman Empire, a resurrected Roman Empire, when nations ally against the Son of God and against the Jewish nation, and they produce a guy that we call the Antichrist. It's all in here, man. And it says in verse 27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an a- end at sacrifice. Send off. He's, he's going to say to the Jews, we love you Jews. They'll go ahead, sacrifice. Do whatever you want. And at the end of three and a half years, he cuts it all off. It says, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. He's going to put an image of himself in the Jewish temple. He's going to say to people all over the world, you could worshiping any other God, you just worship me. And if you don't worship me, I'm going to take you apart, piece by piece by piece by piece. But it says his end is already decreed. That's all in there. But take this home. Daniel wants to know what's going to happen And God goes into action immediately. He gave Daniel more than he ever asked for. And he gives us more than we ask for, folks. He opens his hand and gives you more than you could ever ask for in prayer. And it's all right. It's all good. May this be in your heart. We're just about done. When you feel a sense of this is urgent, this needs to be dealt with. You're anxious. And what are you anxious about? You're anxious about people in your life who are lost. Man, you should be anxious about lost people in your life. They're going to go to hell forever. And the only way out of hell is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. I mean, you're concerned about the direction of the world, about personal situations. I don't care what it is. You learn to depend on God. You are one person, but your prayers move God. Verse 23, as soon as you began to pray, Gabriel said, an answer was given, and I'm here to unfold the future of your people. I'm I'm here to unfold the future of your people to you. You're anxious. You, 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 You trust that. That God is, is going, you praying, God? God's in action. You got to trust that, man. Release whatever it is. To him. Tell him in complete faith. I mean, say something like this to God. God, you love me. It's all in your word. You love me. You sent your son for me. And I got this thing that's got me so upset. And, and I can't do anything about it. And this is a matter of urgency. And you can. You can, my Lord. You can do something about it. And I'll tell you something. It's happened to me. His peace will flow over you like a river. Let me just read this. 19 of Daniel 9. Oh Lord, listen. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hear and act for your namesake. Oh my God. Think about it is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School. 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.